And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Sunday, August 8th. And we are continuing with the second part of our interview with Susan Beecham. Susan is the CEO of Money Savvy Generation, and the website is moneysavvy.com. What I do love is I love that little Money Savvy pig piggy bag. That could become my new favorite gift, Mark. I could replace, I used to give the Tiffany's piggy bank as a baby gift. I think the money save, savvy pig could be my new favorite gift. Save, spend, donate, invest. What do you think? That's a good gift, right? It's a great, it's, I mean, it is a little indulgent, but anyway, I love the money savvy pig. There are other money savvy banks. There's a soccer ball, there's a football, but anyway, I would check it out. Uh, the website's super um, fun and engaging, and we want to talk about how you can talk to people about money. And the thing that was so cool is that we had talked to Susan Beecham right after we had that conversation with somebody who was having a real problem and had a pretty serious financial issue in his life, and he was going to have to involve his children in the conversation about changing their lives. So I said, I, I have a, I have an expert on the line. Let me ask Susan about that. So here's the second part of our conversation with Susan Beecham. We recently had somebody who came on the air with us, a listener who, you know, essentially set, started by saying, I'm a financial screw up. I don't want to pass this along to my kids. And, you know, after listening to his story, we really came to the conclusion he's going to have to have tough conversation with his family about making some changes in their lives. I want to understand from you the best way for him to approach that conversation, because I think his real worry was like, well, how am I going to tell my 16-year-old, my 14-year-old, and my 11-year-old that, you know, we've screwed this thing up? The quick analysis was that he and his wife done a good job saving they have about $900,000 in their retirement accounts, but they are in a cycle of debt and they probably have to sell their apartment, get a smaller apartment, move um, in order to be able to kind of make everything work and pay off this more than $100,000 in credit card debt. And I said, I think it has to be like a real family conversation. They have to be involved. 
I think from what you're saying, you would agree with that. So how do you think he should approach, he and his wife should approach the conversation where they have screwed up and now they got to fix it? What is it? What are the messages to the kids? And what do you think kids can hear at those different age groups? Again, it's uh, 16, 14, and 11. Well, the good news is that 16, 14, and 11 is an age where they're going to get it. Okay. They're going to understand what mom and dad are saying. The second thing is they can use this place in their life, in their financial life as a lesson, as an opportunity to help their kids not get caught in the same cycle of debt. Three, they can be honest and forthright about here's where we are, here's how we got there. And you know, this is going to sound silly, but it works. Before mom and dad sit down with the kids, mom and dad need to sit down on a piece, sit down together, use a piece of paper and write down the things they want to tell the kids so that both people come, both mom and dad come to the table with the same agenda and they need to make four copies and let the kids, once this is over, have this in their hand. And the most important message is, here's the problem, here's the solution. Hmm. Here's how you're part of the solution. Written down in a concrete way, and at the bottom of that piece of paper, I want him to put, I want this couple to put 10 blank lines. And that is for everyone to add their own idea for what they think they can contribute to taking care of the $100,000 in debt Mm. so that they feel a part of the solution. Normally, I would say, make sure you talk to the kids in an age appropriate way. But these three kids, these three kids are old enough to understand. So you can tell them the problem, but do not forget to tell them the solution. And most importantly, keep them a part of the solution. And then finally close with, we are all healthy. This is a this is a, a problem. This is a money problem that can be solved by doing something now proactively as a family. It means we will make sacrifices. It means we we may have to move, but we will not be homeless. We will still have the ability to do dinner out once every three months or however you want to break it to the kids, Mm -hmm. however you want to talk about what they love doing and how that needs to be scaled back. You have to emphasize to the kids, you're safe. This is a money problem. And anything that can be solved with money, it's not critical. You know, it's funny. So I ended the interview with him, reminding him of that himself. It could be a slight disaster in that, you know, these little creatures that are teenagers can be pretty, I don't know, narcissistic. That's like kind of what teenage girls tend to be in general. But but you're saying that it doesn't matter. It's really that they're going to know the seriousness of this, that they're going to not go into the like, I don't want to do that. Do you think that that's a possibility though? Of course. Of course they're going to say they don't want to do that. They're kids. <laughs> of course they're going to say that. But the thing is, chill. what's worse is what they already know that's unspoken in the house. They know something's going on. Kids are great at reading a parent's mood and reading their um, anxiety. And kids blame themselves for what's happening. Mm. So one, you say this is not 
your fault. Two, this is the problem. Three, this is how we're going to solve it. And four, you're safe. We will be comfortable. We will make it through. Strongest steel passes through the hottest fires. You have heard it probably a number of times, but it is true. And the more you do with your children to look at this as an opportunity to make them stronger, the greater the impact is on their future life so that when they face a crisis like this, one of their own making or one not like the pandemic, then they'll know what to do. They'll sit down, they'll get a piece of paper, they'll articulate the problem, they'll come up with solutions, they'll involve the people in their lives that they love, and they'll get to the other side. Can you talk a little bit about the adult child also that we hear from a lot of people who are like, I kind of screwed up the whole having the conversation about having the money conversation throughout. I've got the adult child. Can you talk a little bit about the parent who feels like they are enabling their adult children, but doesn't know how to get out of that cycle? Well, (laughs) there's only one way out takes two people to play a game. One needs to stop playing. And when I talk to um, parents, especially high net worth parents who are worried about this exact thing, I tell them, you are making them weaker. You are not making them stronger. You will not live forever. They will theoretically live longer than you. You are robbing them of a skill set they need to thrive. You love them. It's clear but by enabling them, you are not empowering them. So even though it's going to be difficult, no matter what the age, start small and be prepared to be blown back and pushed away. There's nothing wrong with helping a child who's in crisis. There is something wrong with continuing to help that child and create a sense of entitlement that that money or that support continues. You just have to stop and it's not going to be pretty, but ultimately, hopefully they're angry enough to figure out a solution on their own. Keep your eyes peeled. Keep your eyes peeled that the solution is something you say, I will continue to support you. Keep talking to me. I will get you through this, but we now need to sit down and create a plan to take you off the financial support because I can see, and now I'm a parent talking, I can see it's not making you stronger and I want you to be stronger. I like that idea of saying, I want you to be stronger. Do you think the parent has to cop to the fact that he or she or they have as parents as a couple have helped create the monster and say, you know, we realize we haven't, we're not helping you? Yeah, why not? Yeah, they got to own it, right? Right. It's a mistake. And you know, if we, if we admit as parents to our own mistakes, it allows our kids to admit to mistakes and, you know, open the wound and clear the infection. A lot of the, the, the problem with debt today is people are not owning up to how they got there because mm. it's not easy and because they don't know what to do if they own up to it. But it's kind of like forgiveness. It's a wonderful thing if you forgive yourself and say, okay, I got here. Now I'm going to forgive myself. We're going to move forward. And I'm going to look at the bench in my life and figure out who can help me move forward. What can I do to unchain myself from this horrible feeling I have that I am imprisoned by debt? 
Um, that's an awful feeling. And the only way you get over that is to, you know, open the kimono, take a good hard look at what, what it is you've got going on, how you got there, how much of it you own. And as parents, if you contributed or grandparents, you know, grandparents can step in where parents don't want to do something. And grandparents can sometimes dig a hole for mm. their grandchildren by being that, um, that next level of support when parents finally say no. You have to stop. It's a game. I have one last question to ask you. Some years ago, someone sent me a study that found that even when people have financial literacy in their lives, that they can still make really bad decisions. Is that still the case or is it that we've learned how to be, learned how to maybe teach financial literacy better and so therefore the lessons stick? I think financial education needs to be accountable to the people that it serves. And the only way it can be accountable is through proving that what they're suggesting to parents or teachers has efficacy. And what I mean by that is pre and post testing by independent PhDs and economists who look at what you're suggesting, what you've created, do a pre and post test and say, yes, you've shaped money attitudes in a statistically significant way. Yes, you have increased knowledge in a statistically significant way. Until the industry accepts research as standard operating procedure, we're going to be at risk of being criticized by people who are out there saying financial education is a sham. Mm -hmm. It is not. And anyone who thinks it is should call me and I will give you 10 years of independent research. We have efficacy. We felt it was a mandatory requirement that if we were going to teach young children and shape their futures, shape our own futures, think about it, Jill, shaping our society for the better, because we're putting these kids into communities and communities into society who understand how to manage money. If we were going to do something like that, we had to be careful. We had to be right. Until everybody accepts independent research, which is costly, but mandatory, we have something, but the majority of our colleagues don't have what we need to push the critics back and say, I'm sorry, we understand if it bleeds, it leads, and your headline sounds so provocative, but you're wrong, it's a big lie, and you're not helping people. You're hurting them by telling them that financial education won't empower them because it does. Thanks to Susan Beecham for following up with us. And uh, she also sent me a bunch of stuff here about things they've published and uh, a lot of the research. So I'm very grateful for her and, of course, to my friend Sandy Waters for connecting us. If you would like to check it out, it is moneysavvy.com, money, M-O-N-E-Y, S-A-V-V-Y.com. And you can check that out. There's stuff for your kids, your little kids, for your teenagers, for college students, even for adults. (gasps) Yeah, we don't know how to talk money with each other. So go check it out. Thanks again for uh, her participation. Thanks for your participation. Don't forget that if you've got a question, we are here for you. You can just send us an email, ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. If you're on our website, because maybe you're signing up for our free weekly newsletter, or maybe you are 
catching up on all the stuff that we've written over the last few weeks, you can just hit the contact button. Don't forget to tell us if you want to come on the air. Mark does the rest. Go out and lift someone up today. Go do that with a little grit, growth, and grace. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.